so I usually start these off with an introduction, but I think maybe, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Who are you? My name is Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay, and where are we? We're in uh, Goop headquarters in uh, Santa Monica, California. So so there's lots of cool, hip-looking people, (laughs) and Gwyneth's office is... Pretty hip and cool. How long have you guys been here? We've been here. So the building that we're in, we have been in nearly two years. And then we have a building right across the alley that we probably got about six months later. And then a third piece. And now we have a new building that we just moved into a couple weeks ago. So so. next time I come here, you will own Santa Monica. (laughs) It will just be called Goopa Monica or something like that. So uh, um, so we've got lots of stuff to talk about. Okay. It's going to be a, a blast. Is that salt on your... It is. You have salt on your table? It's Malden sea salt. Nice. I've, I'm a salt person. Okay. I've, so these are two other kinds of salts that I got, sort of flavored salts. But Gw- Gwyneth has a salt collection on her desk. Um, I do. Next to her laptop. Uh, so th- I think so you've been CEO of Goop for a year now. Is that right? That's correct. How are you a liking it? A year and it? a bit. Um, I love it. It's... Mm-hmm extraordinarily challenging and exhilarating and exciting. Um, but it's, it's certainly, I feel the most professionally fulfilled that I've ever felt in my life. So, but you, when you started out, you did not want to, your dream as a little girl was not to run goop, right? It was to be on stage. And did did you, how do you think you ended up here? It was this kind of, uh, an accidental road that you went down. You're like, Oh, I kind of like it here. Yeah. I mean, I, my, definitely my dreams as a child was to do what my mother did. Right. I used to watch her rehearse plays in Williamstown, Massachusetts all summer long. And I would sit on the floor and watch her, you know, be this incredibly inspired, powerful figure. And I really wanted to do that. And, um, Luckily, I was able to, and I had this incredible film career. Um, And I think it was sort of the convergence of a bunch of things that led me down. You know, I really obviously took quite a pivot. I think that... um, Using the tech words, pivot. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm talking about an acting career. I'm mixing my metaphors. It's all right. They'll understand. This audience gets it. Um, But I, I think that, you know, there's a part of filmmaking as an actor that's inherently very lonely and I was out alone kind of on the road um for all my 20s like three to five films a year in strange cities having these amazing adventures but also it's quite solitary you know having room service and walking streets by yourself and 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 so and this of course is is the complete opposite of that yeah this is very communal I love the I love the sort of quotidian repetition. I love like dropping my kids off, coming to work, building something. Um, And it's very, very different from acting in that, you know, when you're acting, you are one cog in a machine and there's really, you're not part of a vision or a strategy or a creative direction. You know, you have an important part of the, you know, of the puzzle, but... um, it's just it's it's incredibly different. Are there th- are there skills that you got that um that in acting that you brought to this that you never thought you would beyond the traditional of like you know not being uncomfortable in a room? I mean, I think that as an actress, there is um 
this sort of unspoken role that we have on set. Like if you're the female star of a film, um, you sort of are responsible for maintaining like an energetic balance on set and looking after energetically sort of looking after the men and making sure everybody feels supported Hmm. and you're sort of fostering communication and good feeling. And I think that, at least for me, that was, you know, very much what I felt part of my role was on a film set. And I definitely brought that here. So you, so Goop is, what would, how would you, how do you describe it? Because I, the the problem is it's like, there's so many things that you're Uh doing. um, And like, I literally am waiting for there to be the, the press release that says you've opened the Goop theme park and the, you know, uh, goop car, driverless car, <laughs> and that might be a bit far. But but what like what is for you? It's what what is it? So if you think of a model like a Ralph Lauren or like a mini Disney, even so, you, if you think about all of the different verticals that they're in, especially Disney, I always look to that corporation as you know, they're in all of these different verticals. They do travel, they do F&B, they do content, they do CPG, they do everything. And the brand execution is perfect. So that sort of always serves as like my back burner inspiration for what I'm trying to do for my demographic. Um, And so, you know, if you boil it down, we really, we make content and we sell product. We make and sell product so what do you what's your day like what's your day like is it you know you said you you would you wake up at like six o'clock with the kids and and then mm-hmm. do you immediately like give us a walk walk us through Dude, a day in day. the life of, of <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow today and okay. not acting um I wake up at 6 20 every morning 6 20 okay. and then um I just have like a minute with coffee before kids get up do you look at your devices straight away or? i do i just make sure there's no like there wasn't some meltdown overnight um and then i i really like my new york times briefing that comes every morning so i kind of sit with my coffee for a minute at the kitchen table and then i just i have a minute i ca- i see if there's anything like super pressing that i have to respond to and then i get the kids up and then I take them to school, and then I go exercise, and then I come here. And what? And so once you get here, what's what are you doing? Are you designing products? Are you, you know? It depends on the day. Um, you know, we have certain weekly meetings that are built into the schedule, and then um, we have, you know, it's like whatever. I mean, there's a lot. Ultimately, like I always say, the buck really stops with me for everything, but. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to do. So there's a lot, you know, from, from like a creative standpoint, there's a lot in terms of designing clothes, thinking about product. Um, and then there's the whole business side of things. And so it's complicated. So with the business side of things, did you get venture funding for, for, so did you, um, uh, did you experience the, um, the, the I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot, but no, go uh, ahead. I mean, like, look, you know, I've <laughs> covered these industries for a long time and we've seen what's happening in Hollywood right now with the fall of so many people related to sexual harassment. And I've seen it in the venture world where they're incredibly disrespectful to women. Did you experience that or was you kind of above the fray of it that you didn't have to? I didn't experience that in the VC world at Got all, it. luckily. Got it. Um, but in business, have you kind of not the necessarily the harassment, but but the the way that certain 
men mansplain, I guess, if you will. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, I am, I think people are predisposed to think that I'm just the face of a company, that I don't understand how business works, that I don't understand yeah. various aspects of it, that it's, I'm just like, a, you know, a figurehead. Um, I think that I sometimes have to spend time like dispelling a preconceived notion about who I am. Um, and people are, you know, I've, I've run across like incredibly condescending people. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. But, uh, it's okay. It's all part of it. And you know what? It's actually been really interesting to have those moments where I feel exposed or taken down a notch or that my celebrity like does fuck all, you know? And do you, so do you, does that, I was going to ask you this. So, so how do you feel about those moments? Like the, like, I curse, but oh no, you can, you can say fuck anything you want. It's, this is a podcast. We're not NPR here. Of course, of course. Um, uh, feel free to just, just curse for the next 35 (laughs) minutes. Um, uh, so do you, what do you, um, how do you deal with the, the, the negative stuff? You know, I mean, there's like, you know, people that criticize goop and and the science behind it and things like that like do you do you does it bother you do you read it like what do you how do you without all of it not just that but i mean i think you know anybody who is trying to put anything into the world gets pushback and criticism like if you're trying to move the needle at all if you're trying to create interesting discussions um you know, I mean, I can name, um, as you can, like a million people in the tech industry where they just get, you know, it might not be from, you know, I don't know, a People Magazine. It might be from TechCrunch, but people get shit all day long, especially yeah. if you're trying to be disruptive in, in any way. Um, I think that, you know, like my overarching feeling about it is I'm really – grateful that I have this job and that I've created this business and I have this extraordinary team and we're actually getting traction and we're building a a real business. Um, I don't read very much of what's out there just because I don't, it doesn't really serve me. Like if something's really important, it'll bubble up to me and it'll get to me. Um, So you're not on social media Searching Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, God, no. No, I would probably commit suicide if I did that. Um, No, it doesn't, it doesn't serve. It just has no, it's got no purpose. No, it doesn't make me, I don't learn anything from Mm -hmm. the bulk of it. Like sometimes there's a piece of criticism that's like, oh, this is actually a really good point. Um, But a lot of it is, like, I feel like a lot of it is just people throwing up their unresolved shit everywhere onto me onto you onto any public person onto their partner you know what i mean i could not agree with you more uh (laughs) on that note um one of the things that i always find really interesting is i mean you what you just said is that you know you're putting something out there in the world you're up for criticism do you remember the first time that you like had a like bad critical movie review and how that felt was that something you learned from or i mean i stopped reading stuff about it's myself funny. a lot of people early. tell me that they stop reading pretty early i when i started out i you know got a publicist and you know i would get faxes this is in the 90s of like your press mentions faxes wow. yeah like faxes would come through yeah and you'd be like oh how great you know this whatever <laughs> um and very quickly, I started to realize, like, that this wasn't going to serve me and that um, it was 
either going to, it was just an exercise in like inflating and deflating my ego. And I was like, how is this going to make me a better person? Like I'm either going to take a bunch of external praise and and feel good about myself that day, or I'm going to take a bunch of external criticism and feel really bad about myself. And neither of it is real and neither of it matters. And so I stopped like early in my twenties, I stopped reading my own press. Well, that's good. That's, it's a, that's the, there were a few people I've asked that question to and and the responses from the, the more sane human beings (laughs) is that, uh, the more insane ones slurp it up at every, every occasion possible. Um, so you, you have two kids, right? I do. Um, uh, do you, do you let them on social media? Do you let them, are you? That's really interesting. I mean, yes is the answer. I have a 13 year old girl. Uh, she is, she communicates with her friends solely on Snapchat. Solely on Snapchat. She's never been on Facebook. She's like my focus group of one. It's really (laughs) fascinating. Are you on Snapchat? You know, Snapchat, I, I try I I find it I think it's built to exclude me. Like yes. I'm too old for Snapchat and they want me to know it. Yeah. And I can't figure out like I cannot figure it out. I I'm right there with you. So I try um so, but I So your daughter that's exclusively she she texts on through the, on the Snapchat platform. And do you worry with your kids on there or is it you something know, I have to say, like, my kids are – my son is not interested in social media, barely. How old is he? He's 11. Got it. He's allowed on it, but he barely partakes in it. My daughter, um, their whole – that whole generation of girls is – they're on it all day, every day. I think, you know, she's a very grounded, very smart girl, and she's got thick skin. Um, but, yeah, of course I worry. I mean, it's – it's it can be brutal and it can just be like the worst side of humanity and um, but I also do think that that generation ha- they do have a certain imper- imperviousness in mm-hmm. a way like they mm-hmm. get it they get that people are in pain and that they're spewing out a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily mean that much but I mean it'll be interesting to see as she gets older I mean I did this TV show with Gary Vaynerchuk and I remember him saying. Like when we were having this the, conversation. The apps one? Yeah. yeah. We we're having this conversation around social media and someone was saying, you know, this is outrageous. Like, you know, young teenagers should not be allowed on social media. And he was like, you are literally the the mother in 1950-whatever watching Elvis Presley and saying, this is going to destroy our children. I'm not letting my, ch- my child watch him on TV. Like you are that outdated well i think right? i i think he's partially right gary i think would would be quite happy if, if there were a live stream of, of him sleeping on the internet isn't uh, there one there probably is uh <laughs> uh there's probably a youtube channel we should watch it and we can eat your salt as we watch uh um uh it'll be it'll be painful to watch um no it's it's just it's interesting i i always am interested in people who have come into the sphere of technology and how they how they you know they get to see the realities of what it is and um, you know, Steve Jobs didn't let his kids use technology. Bill Gates, same thing. Um, and so many CEOs that I've talked to in Silicon Valley. And so it's interesting always to hear like what, how you, as someone who's knowledgeable, you yeah. let your parents, your kids, sorry. Well, I think you like part of the thing that has to be taken into my specific equation is that like I have given birth to people who are public figures inherently. And 
do they enjoy that? Do they not enjoy it? Do you they? know, it's just an empirical fact. Like, it's just their reality. They understand it. They, I don't think they like it or dislike it. It's just sort of, that's... Is that how you feel about it, too, or yourself? I feel, I feel, I feel a great deal of responsibility. I feel like it's a difficult situation to, to be born into. If you could change it, would you? Like if, if there was, if I had pulled out some magic wand and I said, all right, I can make it so tomorrow you show up at work and you're one of the people out there in the, or maybe you're running this business and, and no one knows who you are when you walk down the street. For me, I think at this point, having been a public person for so long has shaped so much of who I am and where I'm trying to go that I don't, I don't know for my children. I would, I would prefer it if they were completely anonymous. It's also hard too, because like in a way the fame part, like of the Gwyneth Paltrow thing is a a really effective lever for the business to pull when they need to, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't, I think that's, it's kind of a double edged sword, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so one of the things that you do a lot of is you were this last week you were baby to baby giving a speech. Um, you do a lot of work for with nonprofits and things like that. How do you kind of pick the things that you want to pull the lever for, and the things that are important to you, and so on? I kind of have a few things that I mean. I think it all sort of starts from. I think, uh, especially in looking at the landscape of our country right now, sort of psychologically, socioeconomically, politically, it's pretty bifurcated. It's pretty scary. I feel like everybody feels, um, everybody feels miles apart from people who believe differently than them. And it's, it's a scary, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's scary. And so I feel like, um, but sorry, sorry to interrupt one second. Okay. So don't you think that part of that is not – I think a majority of it is, is is because of media? Do you believe that or no? Um, that we have this kind of – this these vastly different yeah. aggressive viewpoints of media. I think that's definitely part of it and I wish there was more neutrality in media. Um, and But I also think that if the public school – education system was much stronger and we were we were we had a focus towards like truly educating children to feel empowered and to analyze information and to be independent thinkers we would not have these incredible divides because i think that you know we have there's such a huge I mean, if you if you look at the difference in the way people are perceiving everything in different parts of the country, you think how but we're all human beings. We all like surely there's a way um that we all can be aligned at least on certain things. And I, I just feel like we've completely lost track. Of- and so are you are you trying to do things to change that? Are you I mean, I understand that you you have a certain amount of hours in the day and a certain amount of times you can pull the lever. Like how do you decide of these because I, I mean, it's interesting. So I'm sure everyone listening to this and everyone in this office, myself included, you wake up every day and you see these things that are painful, you know, mm-hmm. um, mass shootings, homelessness, um, Donald Trump, uh, you know, you can just keep going. Um, and 
and you think like, well, what is it? How can I have an impact? And you're someone that can in many respects. And how do you decide which one, which things you're going to put, put your weight behind? I mean, very much education and trying to be, trying to support organizations that go straight for poverty education. So, you know, what I was on the board of Robin Hood in New York City for a long time. I'm still on the emeritus board. Um, but sort of local organizations that really um, figure out how to get to the young children and uplift them and educate them and clothe them and feed them, whether it's Baby to Baby here in L.A. or the Good Plus Foundation in New York, Robin Hood, there are, there's an organization that we love, a group called Donors Choose, where public school educators can post their needs on a website, and you can just go on, and you can send a 10th grade class from the inner city of Los Angeles to Japan for a two-week field trip. Hmm. You can give a, you could, a reading circle carpet. Um, can I go to Japan on a field trip? Yeah, you probably you can. You can sponsor me. I'll go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... What, uh, so we, I asked you earlier, but we, we, um, I don't think we, we, you answered it probably, but, um, what's next for Goop? Like what's the, oh. what's the, the thing, it, it's interesting because you, you were saying it's a lifestyle brand in many respects and, and, and like Disney, it does all these things, but what, you know, you have your recipe books, you have the stores, you have all these different things. Like what's the next? Well, it's all very much feeding into the same thing, right? I mean, I, the way that we look at it is um, we're sort of – we have all of these various um, tentacles, but it's like there's one head of the octopus. <laughs> That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> that works. Uh, I don't know if that really works. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, we are – we're very focused on content creation. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, the media part of the business is really what lets us – create relevance for ourselves out there in the world. Um, so we're working on different ways to create more content all the time. Um, and then we're, you know, very focused on making great non-toxic product and um, not digital product. Yes. Although non-toxic, non-toxic digital, digital product, product would be, would be good too. You should start a non-toxic <laughs> Snapchat. Uh, sure. Evan Spiegel would love another competitor in his life. Um, do you, uh, um, and and do you think do you sometimes come in here um, and think oh I wish I wish I was on a movie set today or is that not it's like that's a gone another world that you just want nothing to do with anymore I don't long for it but it's, you're doing you're going back as Pepper I'm, I'm Potts? Pepper Potts right now is that yeah. just for did you owe someone a favor you lost a bet <laughs> like <laughs> um you know. I would basically do anything for Robert Downey Jr. is what it comes down to. Got it. I think that there's um, a certain sentiment with Robert and, you know, Marvel as well that a little bit of Pepper Potts is a good grounding moment in a movie like that. And so um, – and it's also, you know, it's it's nice to go back and do a day here and a day there and a few days. You know, it's such a huge contrast to oh, my sure. normal life I, now. Um, I love the, the, my normal life now. <laughs> you are listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. I think it's time. Yes, it's time for you to upgrade to a new HP PC. Why, do you ask? Your old computers and technologies are costing you more time and money than you can actually imagine. You might be thinking, wait, 
I have a perfectly good PC. Sure, it's a little slow sometimes, but I can surf the web on it, chat with my family and members, and I can like stuff on Facebook. Why do I need a new one? Well, putting aside the safety and security risks that come with older PCs, as technologies become more efficient and faster, the amount of power used to run new HP PCs has dropped dramatically. Not to mention there's a million frustrations that come with your old hardware. So upgrading to a new HP PC will actually save you time and money. HP has the most secure PCs and printers in the industry. The folks at HP Design put their computers together specifically to help mitigate the horror stories you read about in the news every day, like data breaches and identity theft, really scary stuff that makes me shudder. And HP also offers a three-year standard warranty on select PCs. They offer excellent pricing and free shipping on returns, and HP also has a flexible financing option. Right now, my listeners of Inside the Hive will get a 35% discount on select HP business products with Intel Core processors. All you need to do is go to hp.com slash hive and enter the code HIVE to get 35% off. You also get a three-year standard warranty on select PCs and free shipping store-wide. Again, go to hp.com slash hive, enter the code HIVE, that's hive at checkout, and you'll save 35% on select PCs. See the website for more complete details. So you've also done a lot of um, cookbooks. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan. My sister and I always share recipes back and forth. That's carrot nice. ginger dressing. That, Where did you get the carrot ginger dressing? So I made it up. You did? Yeah. It's amazing. I was approximating, you know, when I was a kid, my parents used to take my brother and I to this Japanese restaurant which I can't remember the name of, which we were really little, but out here on Wilshire before we moved to New York City. And they had like that kind of carrot ginger dressing. And so that was what I was trying to do. And I so made... how do you get the recipes? Where do they come from? Do you just kind of, uh, you just open your fridge, take whatever's in there, put it in a blender and say, oh, that tastes good. Sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Like my first book was all the food that I kind of grew up cooking and eating and... Um, and making for my friends. So it's it was not like detoxy food or super clean or anything like that. It was like, you know, like grilled tuna with great Asian dressing and a hot dog bun and like that kind of... That sounds good, actually. Uh, yeah, really good. And my dad's pancakes and just like yummy, delicious food. And um, so that really came from me going backwards and, in, and also in the present, like, what do I make? What do I want? As um, Especially when I was living in London, I cooked every night. Um, and then when I did, it's all good. That came out, that was born out of my, my son went through a really bad eczema period. I had that as a kid. You did. Yeah, did not, you grow out of it? Fun. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Same. And it was horrible. And, um, the doctor said to me, you need to cut out gluten, dairy, and sugar. And I was like, this is a four year old boy. Like what the fuck am I supposed to make for him? And then I was also at that point, you know, very interested in this idea of like, you know, I had done a cleanse and I was like, why do I feel so good? You know, like, what is this? Is there anything to this? Um, and a lot of the kind of cleaner food was really boring. It was like steamed brown rice. And I was like, there surely there has to be <laughs> like a better ant, like a better way to do this. And so I wrote, it's all good. And, um, and that was sort and that of was like, the pre- that was the that was what was behind it when you right, decided to do that it. was okay. behind it. Like I had these parameters, and I was like, "How do you make foody, delicious food with no nothing good in it? Like you can't fry anything, you can't 
I mean, you know, not nothing good, but you know what yes, I mean. Yes, nothing, nothing that you shouldn't Thank have. Thank you. Yes. Exactly. That, yes. So, um, so and, and I work well with parameters as well. Hmm. Like I like that constraint. And I so, like it here. I like it there. And so uh, are you still doing cookbooks or are you? Are you... Yeah, we have one. Um, I think it's coming out in, God, when is it coming out? We're doing like sort of a big book of detox like friendly recipes really delicious and healthy but i don't i don't know what it's going to be called yet any ideas <clears throat> the, no i'll, I'll okay, think about it thank you they should have the word salt in it i think you think yeah Malden salt guide to <laughs> gwyneth paltrow's detox um i better buy some uh stock in the company before i do that i know um i uh, and so I was. I just got distracted thinking about all the food that you were just talking oh, about. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, how do you keep all the questions in your head? When oh, I don't. I just make. I just. Oh. I, I, mean, I just come in and oh, just, I'm just uh, making it all up as Free I go. Wheeling. Yeah, we're just we're just going here. <laughs> uh, um, no. So. Uh, so okay. So you have done forty something movies. Uh, Twenty. Let's just throw out some numbers here. I'm just gonna make them up. 10, 10 musical, what were they called? CDs, albums, songs, I don't know, things. Okay. You run a big business now. Uh, you've done all these cookbooks. You do all this volunteer stuff. Like, what, is there a next for you? Like, I mean, I, I have a hard time just writing a column every week. And and, uh, uh, and I feel really bad saying these things out loud. Like, what's the what's the next thing that you're aiming for? Or is it? That's is, is it. it. There's that's, no, like. That's it. I'm do you, done. You're done? So it's, after after Goop goes public, I'm retiring. You're retiring. No one is ever going to hear from me again. <laughs> no, is there is there like a is there like a, a five year plan with all this or a ten year plan or? A... Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on if there's an exit and what it is and. What do you think it is? Would you like know. Goop to be a GOOP on the stock exchange or? I don't know. My son, my son would like it to be. He he's been learning about the stock market. Oh, nice! Is he using Bitcoin and? He's not using Bitcoin, but he wants to open a Charles Schwab stock account. And the, so. his first stock maybe will be Goop. Who knows? Well, no, because he wants to do it right now. Oh, got so. it. Um, <clears throat> no, but is that is that the, you know is that the something that you're thinking about? Like what the end goal of all this is, or? Um, I yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I were to say I don't I never think about an exit um but having said that I also I feel like there are a lot of years left and I mean there's a lot of work to do to get the brand where I want it to get to um and you know of course one day like all good Americans I would like to retire (laughs) (laughs) have a quiet life Mm. um but I of course I think about it um so when you are um, when we go when we're talking earlier about your 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 daily schedule and things like that, um, you, you're talking about these issues that are important to you and retiring and so on and so forth. And, and <laughs> you're moving retiring up to the top to of the, the top list. of the list. Do, um, how do you how do you feel about like the current political climate? Do you try to pay attention to it, or oh, man. do you try to keep away from it? Like, what's your how do you feel? I've about tried all, all those strategies and yeah. more. And um, I, I'm pretty demoralized. I'm Betsy DeVos must drive you up the wall. You can't say that. You're not. We're <laughs> uh, 
Um, I have, you know, I would say that I fundamentally am not aligned with a lot of um, the ideas that seem to be pervasive ideas in, in government right now. And have you, do you want to do things to push an agenda in a certain way or you, is it like just like okay I, can't I don't go know how that. I do that and I don't know um, I think that there are I would like to just you know I don't know to, you know I, I feel completely overwhelmed by what's happening and um, I don't exactly know I feel and I feel like a lot of people that I know are sort of like what what are what do we like what's the game plan like what do we do you know how do we um how do we get this train back on the tracks and how do we bring some more kindness and humanity and inclusion back to but the problem is is that that being on a certain coast or another coast it's really difficult to do that right it's you know well, I think there's a there's a bigger issue, which is sort of what I was alluding to, to before, which is there's this fundamental divide, and I w- I'm really interested in finding out like what is precipitating that, like what's underneath all this, and how can we? Well, part of it I think is 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 a financial one. You know, you have what it's now six billionaires that have as much wealth as the bottom 3.6 billion people on the planet, which is just astounding. Um, uh, it's pretty crazy. And and we voted for someone who... Is that who, true? Yeah, that's the, that's the Oxfam's latest numbers. Um, I mean, you know, someone like Bill Gates or Bezos or something like that, um, can their net worth can change by 6 to $8 billion in a single day on a mark, you know, depending on what the market's rallying. And, and, and I think that that's part of it. Uh, but it's also that it's interesting that, you know, I bring up the media thing with you also earlier, and, and, and I find it so fascinating that half of the country just doesn't just thinks that one form of media is completely made up and the other half of the country thinks another form is right so what's the solve you know uh something that goop sells maybe (laughs) that we all ingest every morning and we feel better about ourselves i'll work on that uh i don't know i don't know what the solve is i think uh, i personally think that something has to break um and it but it's but I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, you are now, I forgot to put on your list of accomplishments. You're now doing a magazine with Condé Nast, right? Yeah. Do you feel like the, like, who's the audience for that? Is it, is it the people just on the left and West coast or do you want to eventually be able to have someone in Ohio who's reading that and buying things from you and so on and and so forth? And we do, you know, I think our, what we are, we're looking for to engage uh, the curious person, right? We're looking, we're, we are trying to um, serve content, product to anybody who is curious, essentially. And um, you'd be surprised. I mean, if you, if you look at the data, there are a lot of people in the middle of the country who are reading our content. And, um, and what are the, what are the more successful stories and things that people are interested in? Um, I, you know, our wellness content is always really popular. I think that, um, you know, there's something fundamentally going on, which is that women especially really don't feel well. And, um, you mean physically don't feel they well? They just don't feel as well as they feel they should feel. You know, we're all, 
I think, and I think there are a lot of factors involved. I think, you know, we all have this, in, we've sort of burdened ourselves with this incredible idea of over-responsibility and that we have to be all of these things and we have to be them to all of these different people. And that, um, you know, there's pressure on us to be the breadwinners and to be maternal and to be soft and to be, you know, all of these things at once. And, um, and if you couple that with, you know, a lot of us, I think, having grown up in a culture where, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, as evidenced by what's happening now, like there's, there's a real misogyny that's been in existence for many, many years. It's nothing new. And then you also add all the environmental toxins that we're dealing with. I think there's just this combination of things that's happening right now where women, um, they don't feel that they're at optimal health. And, and, and do you think that, and so, so, you know, they're, as you just mentioned, this is misogyny, but it feels like it's finally changing. I think it's finally changing. And do you just think that this is the whole thing, whether it's from the health and wellness to the, you know, to these gross, despicable men that are being finally ousted as being gross, despicable men, all of it, that it's finally kind of a sea change that's happening? I, I feel that way very much. And I hope that that's true. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes, um, you know, when we get pushback, like, oh, you know, Goop shouldn't, you know, ask this question if there's a link between, you know, autoimmune and whatever. It's like, don't, you may agree, you may not agree. There may be scientific data to prove it. There may be anecdotal. This is like for the purpose of a discussion. Do not tell us we're not allowed to ask questions because that's all we're doing. At Goop, we don't ever say you should do this or you shouldn't do this. We're saying, hey, you know, this worked for our friend. Is there any truth to this? Let's talk to this doctor. Let's talk to this person. You know, let's ask the questions. And I think as women, we want to be allowed to be empowered enough to ask the kind of questions that we want to ask. I think it's it's kind of amazing that you have to say that we want to be allowed to ask those questions. Um, but you see it in the pushback. No, it's it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's, uh, um, it's insane. Uh, um, and it's, it's hard to get your head around. Uh, um, and for you being in Hollywood and, you know, all of this, it must be even more intense. Yeah. I mean, um, what's remarkable is to see the avalanche that was... Have you been, have you been surprised by that avalanche? I have been deeply surprised. Did you think, oh, well, may, may, this may just be a blip and then it's over? I mean, it's... I touched every industry. I know. I know. It's, I, I, you know, there were a few weeks where right after the first stories came out and I just thought, holy shit, like there's really something happening. Like this is really important. This is really significant. And um, it's just been unbelievable to watch. How much longer do you think it'll last before it's finally the dust settles? No prediction. That's a really good question. I mean, every day there's more stuff. Every hour. I mean, you'll check your phone after this and there'll be someone else that's been... Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that there... I don't know. It feels like it has to... We have to get to some kind of... No, but it feels, it feels incredible and important. Um, and, and, I, it, and so many people I speak to, um, both women and men, like breathing a sigh of relief it's like oh finally yeah 
And you know what the other really interesting thing too has been to see like good men kind of wake up and sort of take an inventory and say, oh my God, let me, have I ever, ever done anything inappropriate in the workplace? Like, and really kind of gone back through and been sort of shaken up. It's, and you know, people saying like, my God, you know, this time I asked out a coworker, was it the wrong, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah, been the, like, yeah. the reverberations have been pretty wide and deep. Um, all right. So last couple of questions okay. before we wrap up. Um, so if you had to say, if you kind of look back at all the stuff you've done, mm-hmm. what's the thing that you're most proud of? My children. Oh, that's a good answer. By far. That's a that's a good answer. Uh, um, and do you? I mean, is that for you? Do you, I mean this is how I feel? But I'm curious how you feel. Most of this other stuff is kind of just like fun and filler in many respects, and like just kind of the thing that uh, that that is fulfilling, but not the thing. Um, no, I mean I think that I. I hope that I have, you know, in the various chapters of my life, um, contributed a verse, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that you start out, you have these ambitions of career and what you want to do and an impact you want to make or whatever the case may be, depending on who the person is. And for me anyway, when I had my children, um, I really felt that I understood mm-hmm. my place and I understood mm-hmm. why I had been born. And, you know, my friend Drew, she said the most beautiful thing one day. She was talking about her girls. She has two girls. And she said, you know, we, she was also talking about her life and everything she had been through and film and everything. And um, she said, you know, but my girls, like, I was born the day they were born. And it makes me cry every time I even think it or say it, but I really feel the same way. I feel like I was born the day they were born, and I feel like they give context and meaning to what I'm trying to do, and they kind of ground everything that I'm trying to do. And, um, you know, I'm I'm trying to build a, a company with a set of values that they'll be proud of. And, you know, my son said to me the other day, well, maybe I'll – take it over. And I said, well, that would be great. <laughs> Does your daughter not want to take it over? No, she wants to be on stage. She does. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Are you, do you, what am I going to do? Would you prefer if you could? It's none of my business. Hmm. It's true. Sorry uh, not to tell you, but yes. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's like, yeah, I have it's nothing yeah. to do with it. Um, all right. So last question, uh, which I sometimes ask people, um, okay. if you could go back 20 years and give younger Gwyneth Paltrow a piece of advice, what would it be? Just one piece of advice? You could do two. I'll let you do two. It's Ooh. usually one. Wow, that's but... so hard. 20 years. Um, I guess... It doesn't have to be 20. It could be 18. I guess I would say... Um, I would just tell her that when she turned 40, like everything was going to feel okay and she really wouldn't give a fuck and just to like hang on and get to 40 (laughs) (laughs) was was the lead up to 40 really difficult i think i think the i think i've had a very 
amazingly intense life. Like if you think about, um, if you think about, you know, kind of, I don't know, just the pace and the public facing nature and deaths and, you know, divorce and like there's, you know, it's been, it's been intense and it all kind of like reached this crescendo right before I turned 40. Um, and honestly, when I turned 40, I was like, oh my gosh, there, there was just this incredible lifting that happened of, um, you know, fear of other people's perceptions of me and this idea that, you know, I felt like I want to be responsible for what I'm doing and my responsibilities. I don't want it to be from the outside and what's expected of me, who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to say. Um, and I just felt very free to kind of be embodied in, in myself. And uh, so that wasn't really my last question. Oh, no, I'm sorry, no, no, no. but I, no, it's just a continuation that like I went through a divorce and, and, and it was, it was incredibly painful and difficult. And, you know, my mother passed away and that was incredibly painful and difficult, but I couldn't even imagine what it's like to do that in a public yeah. setting. Is there, were there points that you were just like, Oh my God, just fucking go away. Of like, of course. Yeah. But you just what can I do? This is this is my life. This is my trajectory. This is like my sole curriculum, you know. I've been um you know, I've been this person in the culture for a really long time. And so I've stopped saying And then when you turned 40, it was like whatever. I was like, "You know what? It, it it's going to be what it's going to be, but I'm not here to be burdened by whether I'm good or bad or right or wrong based on, you know, what a reporter or an ex-friend or whoever, you know, yeah. I, I sort of felt very liberated. I think that's something that you just sort of get this software upgrade when you're 40 and you're just like... Look at you with the tech <laughs> straight in there, the software upgrade. No, but do you know yeah, what I mean? I, I Didn't that know. happen to you? It happened to me, yeah, I think actually around 40, I'm, I'm only 41, but but uh, uh, I think like a, a couple of years ago, I definitely had a point where I just was like, I, all the things that you said, where I didn't care about the negative or the positive, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and it was an, inc- and also ha- I had two kids, and yeah. that was, uh, I think it physiologically changes you as a human being. I agree. Completely, like your fundamental being changes. Right. Um, and for me, that was the that was the big thing. Well, thank you so much. I'm oh, sorry. You last, so much. last, last question. What's okay. your favorite recipe? Because my sister's gonna kill me if I don't ask this question. Favorite one mm. of mine, or what I've been for, cooking lately. Um, I would say that my favorite recipe is from my first book, and it's chicken and dumplings. All right, it's a one pot dish. I know, I know it. You know, yeah, it's I'm, so good. It's great. And one one pot cleanup. There's nothing. There's nothing like a one pot cleanup. <laughs> Thank you so much for <laughs> taking the time you. today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, Gwyneth Paltrow. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And when you get there, please leave a glowing, beautiful review. Thanks, of course, to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. Thanks to my editors of Vanity Fair. And thanks most of all to my sponsor, HP. Please support them the same way you support this podcast. I will see you all next week. <laughs>